Have you ever found yourself wondering about the role that Canadians played in old-time radio? Well, wonder no more. During the next 60 minutes, we'll delve into the careers of actors, writers, and directors who went abroad to find work, as well as those who stayed right here in Canada. Join me as together we explore Canadians in old-time radio. Welcome to another episode of Canadians in Old Time Radio. I'm Devin Wilkins, president and founder of CATRA, the Canadian Old Time Radio Alliance. And if you'd like to see what's up on our website, www.catra.ca, I think you might uh, find it quite pleasant. There are clips from various programs and all sorts of uh, tidbits of information for your perusal there. Let's get to our Made in Canada segment, and we have the Happy Gang, and uh, don't have the uh, date for it, but uh, um, the the recording is fairly good, so uh, let's uh, listen to the Happy Gang. Incidentally, this is an aside to Bert. If you're listening, fella, and I sure hope you are, 
Still no word from Greenland. But let's get on with the show, and here is Cliff McKay with a song that contains, I thought it would do any one of us no harm at all to follow 365 days a year. Out of your face with sunshine. Cliff? Out of your face with sunshine. Put on a great big smile. Make up your eyes with laughter. Folks will be laughing with her in a little while. Whistle a tune of gladness, cause gloom never was in style. The future's brighter when hearts are lighter, so smile, smile, smile. The 
Housekeeper, washing dishes is a lot easier and quicker with Bell. And you improve, Bell, can lick the biggest, greasiest dishwashing job in almost no time, and here's why. First, mild soapless Bell contains no harsh alkalis, so even in hard or cold water, there's no soap scum. Second, Bell cuts grease instantly. You improve, Bell keeps right on working, too, long after such dissolve. And what about that stack of pots and pans? If you improve Bell, here's all you do. Soak pots and pans in a little Bell and water. Grease and cooked on food roll off like magic. And remember, too, only Bell is guaranteed better all five ways. Wash is fine washable, safer, brighter, it's milder to hands, penetrates, cuts grease faster, cuts dishwashing time in half. Gives you soft water washing even in harvest water. So get new improved Bell today. Well, this next thing coming up, I don't know. We were three minutes short in our show timing, so Eddie programmed it. <laughs> I think the first time that I did it, Bird had some remark to the effect that the song needs a very tired, lazy rendition. So we looked around the members of the gang and we found them. Yeah, me. <laughs> so, Ed, if you'd like to give the kids a downbeat, I'll do my best to snore my way through a few choruses of life. 
Jesus, darling. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. The hands on the clock keep on going round. I just get up. Time to lay down. Life gets tedious. Thumb. My shoes untied. I don't care. I ain't really figuring on going nowhere. I'd have to wash, maybe comb my hair. That's just wasted effort. The water in the well is getting lower and lower. I can't take a bath for six months more. But I've heard it said, and it's true, I'm sure. Too much bathing will weaken you. The old brown mule, oh, he must be sick. I jabbed him in the rump with a pin on a stick. He humped his back, but he wouldn't kick. Something cockeyed somewhere. There's a mouse a chawing on my pantry door. He's been at it for, oh, let me see, maybe a month or more. When he gets through, boy, he's sure be sore. Ain't a darn thing in there. Hound dog howling, and he's so forlorn. He's the laziest dog that ever was born. And he's howling, because he's sitting on a thorn. Too tired to move over. The tin roof leaks, and the chimney leans. There's a hole in the seat of my old blue jeans. And I've had the last of the pork and beans. You just can't depend on nothing. The cow's gone dry. And the hens won't lay. Fish quit fighting old last Saturday. Troubles piling up day by day. Now I think I'm getting dangerous. Grief and misery, pains and woes, debt and taxes. So it goes. And I think I'm getting a cold in the nose. Today, 
I'm most happy to introduce Kathleen Stokes and Blaine Matthey in their duet. I'm happy because today I can pronounce the title of what they're going to play. And if I boot this one, I'll take gas. No kidding. <laughs> Blaine and Jay and Victor Herbert, kiss me again. Here comes you with the Oh, they're new. Come on, you! 
Well, our story today takes place out on a large dairy farm in Wisconsin. And as we look in on the scene, we find a salesman, Billswater McFeed Bag, talking very earnestly to the owner of the farm. So let's listen as the salesman says. The trouble with you old-fashioned farmers is that you are not using the right methods. Uh, you think so, son? Certainly. Now take that cow over there. Mm-hmm. I bet under your care that cow wouldn't give half as much milk as it would if we used our new scientific feeding plant. In fact, I could guarantee you 50 quarts a day from that cow. I don't believe it. Why not? Because that cow happens to be a horse. Give me out of that one, will you? <laughs> Jimmy DeMarrow, our versatile exponent, that'll be one dollar, Jimmy, uh, of the vibraphones, marimba, and piano, is featured today at the vibraphones in the Marrow special of Dolly Dimple. <laughs> Attention, ladies. Doctors prove you, too, may win a lovelier complexion with the palm olive plant. But to win that lovelier complexion men admire and women envy, you must stop improper cleansing. Instead, follow the palm olive plant. The same way 36 doctors advise 1,285 women with all types of skin. Using palm olive soap alone, two out of three won lovelier complexions in just 14 days, regardless of age, type of skin, or previous beauty care. Now, here is the simple plan doctors advise. Wash your face with palm olive soap, 
massaging for one minute with Palmolive Salt Lather. This cleansing massage brings your skin Palmolive's full beautifying effect. Then rinse, do this three times a day for 14 days. It's that simple. But leading skin specialists prove using Palmolive alone, nothing else really works. So forget all other beauty care and start your Palmolive plan today. From that tremendous Broadway hit, Where's Charlie?, which stars Ray Bolger, Eddie Allen sings the show's top tune, My Darling, My Darling.
thing that you should have been in the show, Eddie. Well, uh, incidentally, I might explain to our radio listeners that we have uh, in our studio today a special guest, uh, some very good neighbors from Hamilton, uh, students at the Memorial Public School. And uh, I'd like to extend a very special welcome, as I did in the warm-up before. Nice to have you here. There they are. You know, up here in Toronto, Canada, we've had about the craziest winter anybody could ever have. Just when it looks like spring is right around the corner, boom, down goes the temperature to about eight above, and out come those winter overcoats again. Well, Cliff McKay has a suggestion in song, and take heed, will you, Jack, as Cliff tells you, Little Jack Frost, get lost. Little Jack Frost, get lost, get lost. Little Jack Frost, get lost. You don't do a thing but put the bite on my toe. Freeze up the ground and take the bloom from the road. So little Jack Frost, go away, go away. And don't you come back another day. There's lots of cold feet, all the lovers complain. You turned off the heat down in lovers' lane. The bench in the park is all alone in the dark. So little Jack Frost, get lost. Get lost, get lost, little Jack Frost, get lost. You don't do a thing but put the bite on my toes. First thing you know, I've got a cold in my nose. So little Jack Frost, go away, go away. And don't you come back another day. There's lots of cold feet, all the lovers complain. Turns off the heat down in lovers' lane. The best in the park is all alone in the dark. So let that frost get lost, get lost. Why don't you take a tip from Bert Pearl and go powder your face with sunshine? Mother's leading skin specialist proves that the Palm Olive 14-Day Beauty Plan is a wonderful complexion care for your teenage daughter's skin. 1,285 Canadian women of all ages and types of skin tried the Palmolive Plan and further proved that the Palmolive Plan brings lovelier complexions, less oiliness, finer texture, fewer blemishes, less dryness to two out of every three women in just 14 days. Remember, doctors prove Palmolive's beauty results. (laughs) 
great fun on our part to have had the opportunity of paying your radio call. We'll all be back again doing the same business at the same old stand here tomorrow. Hope you can join us. Till then, this is Hugh Barber speaking for Bert Burrow and reminding you to keep happy, won't you? I told you I didn't have a date for the episode of The Happy Gang, and I did so. <laughs> it was uh, March 8th, 1949. For our Canadians Abroad segment, we have a show from October 3rd, 1934, and it's called Mary Pickford and Company, which is a... a dramatic uh, series, and uh, they'll tell you all about it, but I will tell you that uh, about Mary Pickford, she was born in uh, Toronto, and she came to be known as America's Sweetheart, but uh, she was born here, and uh, then, as so many did, she moved uh, to the States to work. So, here's a uh, an episode of Mary Pickford and Company. The makers of Royal Desserts present Mary Pickford and Company. Tonight's play, The Church Mouse. This is a great moment in radio history. We are bringing to the microphone tonight the best-known woman in the world. Her charming, familiar face has flashed on screens in every city and town in America and in Europe, in China and in Japan. She is a friend through her pictures to millions of men, women, and children whom she has never seen. We take pride in presenting Mary Pickford for her first radio series. She will appear each week at this time as the star of some well-known play, a play of real dramatic interest which has been tried and found successful on the stage. For her first appearance tonight, she has chosen the romantic comedy, A Church Mouse. In it, she will play the part of Susie Wayne, a girl whose honesty and sweet charm win for her first a job, and later, something even more important. She will be assisted by the following members of her company, who will appear in the order named. Mr. Gail Gordon, as Skylar Thompson, Miss Jeanette Nolan, Mr. Theodore Osborne, Mr. James Eagles, and Mr. Crawford Kent. But before we begin the play, I want Mary Pickford to speak to you as herself. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a privilege to welcome to our studio, on behalf of the radio listeners of the world, Mary Pickford. Thank you, Mr. McIntyre. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying something new tonight, just as I tried something new when I made my first picture. I hope it will be a success. May I thank all of you who have been my loyal friends for the support you've given me in my work. And uh, I do hope you'll like me on the air. This program is sponsored by the makers of Royal Desserts. When you dip your spoon into a colorful, sparkling strawberry gelatin dessert, you expect to taste the flavor of strawberries. And what a disappointment if you find it flat and insipid with no strawberry flavor at all. But that's just what happens when gelatin is allowed to get shelf stale. You see, the flavor of gelatin evaporates when the gelatin gets stale. 
stale strawberry gelatin loses its flavor, just as fresh strawberries do when they become stale. After a package of gelatin has been sitting on the grocer's shelf for a long time, the flavor is almost gone. That's why royal gelatin is handled as a perishable food. It's rushed to grocers fresh by the same rapid delivery system that carries Fleissman's fresh yeast and Chasen Sanborn's dated coffee. Royal has no chance to get shelf steak. When you buy royal strawberry gelatin, it really tastes like delicious fresh strawberries. And the other royal flavors are just as full-bodied and true to the fruit. Lemon, lime, orange, cherry, raspberry, or pineapple. Try royal gelatin tomorrow. Tyler Thompson has made himself president of a big international banking firm at the age of 35. But though he has a genius for finance, Skyler is also human and has human weaknesses. In fact, he's so human that this morning he's had to dismiss his pretty secretary, Dolly Fry, simply because she distracts him from his work. Girls like you are for the evening, he tells Dolly. There's no place in a bank. No more women in my office from now on. So Dolly gets six months' salary, Skyler gets her telephone number, and settles down to work. But after about an hour, the door behind him swings noiselessly open, and a tiny girl, pale, shabbily dressed, and looking thoroughly frightened, squeezes into the room like a mouse. She tiptoes to Skyler's desk, waits for him to look up, and finally, she speaks. Good morning. May I... Who are you? I, uh... How did you get in here? I waited until the man at the door turned his back for a second, and then I slid through. Why do you want to see me? Because you're the president of the bank. You are, aren't you? You're Mr. Skylar Thompson? Yes, I am. And who are you? Susie Wayne. Oh, just nobody at all. But I had to see you. Um, may I sit down? Uh, yes, yes, but be brief. I'm a stenographer. I want a position. What? Please give me a job. I'm sorry, but you've come to the wrong place. I discharged my secretary this morning, and I intend to engage a man. That's you, all. You mean that I'm to go? Certainly I do. You've already taken up a great deal of my time. I know, and I'm very sorry for that. But, um, I'm not going. What? Oh, I couldn't give up so easily. It would be cowardly. I might cry and try to work on your feelings. But I won't cry. Why, this very morning, the President of the United States, is holding an investigation of my affairs. An investigation of your affairs? Yes. What do you mean? See, here it is, in the Times. An investigation of the problems of the unemployed. I'm that problem. I am the unemployed. Mm. Yes, yes, I suppose you are. But if the president doesn't solve my problem by noon, we won't have anything to eat today and nothing tonight or tomorrow morning either. Why? Why, that's unbelievable. Why should you be surprised? I've already told you I'm poor. What? I'm as poor as a church mouse. Are you serious when you tell me you're often hungry? Hungry? Oh, that doesn't describe it. I belong to the poor who press their noses against windows. You've seen girls look in windows, haven't you? Yes, yes, that's jewelry. Well, I'm a delicatessen looker. I flatten my nose against the show windows and imagine I'm eating the delicious articles of food. Why, oh, you poor child. For lunch, I look at frankfurters and potato salads. Oh, and then comes dinner. 
Oh, uh, dinner? Uh, but dinner's not so simple. I take a sardine and divide it. You uh, divide a sardine? Mm-hmm. The tail is the appetizer. While I eat that, I look at trout and salmon. And then I turn my attention to the roast beef or to the fried chicken. In the meantime, I've eaten two-thirds of the sardine. I divide the rest into small bits, a little fruit and a little cheese. And you want to work? Work? Oh, I'll say I do. Look, Mr. Thompson, there's an empty table and a wonderful typewriter. <laughs> oh, it's such a temptation. Let me sit down and use it. You won't be sorry, because once I get hold of a machine like this, the work will fly. Dictate to me. Oh, please, dictate to me. <clears throat> well, all right. Take this. Directors, General Oil Importing Company, Vienna. Gentlemen, at this time, I can inform Faster, you... Faster, please. ...that the negotiations with the various European oil concerns... Faster, yes. ...have been so successful as to practically assure my great project. After the fulfillment of the usual legal requirements... Faster, much, much faster. Uh, this transaction, which we consider of the greatest importance to the industry, can be completed on the 24th of this month in the city of Paris. Very truly yours. Done. Uh, well, Emma... Hello? Yes? This is the office of the president. You would like to speak to Mr. Scarlett Thompson personally? Oh, I'm sorry, but Mr. Thompson's not in just now. Uh, what? You told him I wasn't in? It was the safest thing to say. And may I ask how you presume to reach that conclusion? It was a woman's voice. Huh? <laughs> Remarkable. <laughs> now, Mr. Thompson, isn't it time to sign your mail? Hmm? Uh, yes, yes, yes. We'd better get that done. Uh... Hello? Oh, yes. Just a minute. Did you speak to Mr. Frank Thompson? Oh, my brother. Yes, yes. I'm to have lunch with him. Hello, Frank. Yes, I'll be right with you. Oh, 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 oh. Mr. Thompson. Um, well, uh, this young lady here won't let me go till I sign my mail. She's a human dynamo. No, she's not, Miss Fry. Of course not. The young lady who answers the telephone is, uh, uh my new secretary. Oh, yes, I'll be right up. Oh, you mean it? You're going to let me? Well, that's taken for granted. Oh, that's marvelous. But I wonder if you'd mind, just for today, if I had lunch first and signed the mail afterwards? Well, all uh, right, but just for today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll see you later, Miss Wayne. Oh, oh I almost forgot. How could I have overlooked such an important matter? Miss Wayne, I'm pleased to hand you a $10 advance on your salary. Oh, Mr. Thompson. Oh, you're so kind. Well, I wonder if I may... Well, what is it? I would like to make a very important telephone call. Oh, go right ahead. I'll leave you to yourself. Oh, but I didn't mean that. It's not so very private, you see. Atlantic. 11751, please. Sure this isn't personal? Oh, no, you see. Uh, hello? The 50 Market? Mr. Marks? Uh-huh. Well, this is Susan Wayne. Yeah. Oh, listen, will you please send some things up to my mother at once? Five pounds of flour, uh-huh, and five pounds of sugar, one pound of coffee the best, and uh, six eggs, no, a dozen eggs, and two pounds of butter, no, one pound. I mustn't spend too much. The salary will be $30. Thirty dollars. Six cans of sardines. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, and a half a pound of chocolate and a few frankfurters. The big ones? Well, I... Yes, yes, the biggest. Yes, yes, the biggest. And would you kindly tell my mother to get dinner ready? What? Oh, oh no. I couldn't afford a chicken. I was wrong. I mean, the salary will be $40. Yes, Mr. March. Yes, a chicken. A big one. A fat one. 
And please tell my mother that I have a job. A wonderful job. And tonight she shall have dinner. And for her dinner, tell her to cook everything. I want it all at once. And oh, Mr. Mark, I just got a wonderful job. A wonderful job. Three weeks have passed and Susie got her job. And Skylar Thompson's business has taken him with the efficient Susie to Paris where he's trying to negotiate a big oil merger. But Dolly Fry, Skylar's former secretary, is also in Paris and has been trying to see him. She finally calls in person at the luxurious hotel suite which serves Skylar and his office staff for both business and living quarters in Paris. Is this Mr. Skylar Thompson's suite? Yes. What is it you wish? I'm his secretary. My name is Dolly Fry. I want to see Mr. Thompson. Did you have an appointment? No. <laughs> well, Mr. Thompson never sees anyone without an appointment. <laughs> My dear, I know all those answers so well. You see, I used to be Mr. Thompson's secretary myself. You? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, not officially, when do you expect Mr. Thompson? Unofficially and truthfully and finally, I haven't the slightest idea. Listen, I've left my number with you half a dozen times. Mr. And... Thompson is here on business. He has no time for women. <laughs> I know what you want. You want to come back to the bank. Oh, you're wrong, my dear. The bank wants to come back to me. Oh, you talk about Mr. Thompson as if he were a clerk. <laughs> as if you knew what kind of a man he is. You have an idea he's all brave in business. Don't you think his heart beats faster when I lean against him by accident? By accident? By intentional accident. And how men love it. Really? Do they? It's like this. A quick movement. You brush against him. You pull back. You say, oh, pardon me. He murmurs something. I wonder. Air is charged with electricity. He struggles for his self-control. And just as he almost has it, he has to start all over again. Then his arms begin to ache to hold you. They steal around you. And if you're a smart girl, you say, no, you must. And then he stops. Stop. Of course he doesn't stop. He goes on. He pulls you closer. You struggle, but not much. And, and, and what does he say? Oh, it doesn't matter. You don't care. His arms tighten. You get dizzy. His eyes look into yours. Oh, his eyes. His lips come closer. His lips. Your eyelashes flutter down. You see nothing. All you know is the wonderful strength that is embraced. And then? He kisses. Oh, how you tell it. I almost lived it. You! You never will. Of course, you're not bad looking yourself. Only I'm afraid you're just a machine, my dear. Well, even that would be better than to be like you. All you think of is lovemaking. That might be enough for him. I suppose you'll win. But it won't last. Even if you get him, you can't hold him. You think you could? I've never tried. I wouldn't want to like that. Why don't you? It'll probably amuse him. Well, I must be running along now. Will you promise to tell Mr. Thompson I called? I have my orders to use my own judgment about visitors and to keep any undesirable ones away. <laughs> what a child you are. <laughs> Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye. <laughs> But when Skylar Thompson comes in, Susie does not tell him about Dolly. He has completed his merger. 
And in the excitement of taking charge of everything, Susie forgets Dolly completely. But the undiscourageable Dolly finally gets Skylar on the telephone. He is delighted to hear from her and correspondingly angry with Susie for keeping them apart. I will always see Miss Fry, he tells Susie. I'm going to see her at nine o'clock this evening. In the future, I wish you would let old Mr. Jackson handle my appointments. But when Skylar sees how his little secretary is crushed by this ultimatum, he relents a little and tells her he has planned a party for her. His brother Frank and Major Dunbar, an old family friend, are to call for her and take her out to show her Paris. And so Susie hurries to her room to dress in a Paris evening gown and then hurries out to the office to try its effect on Mr. Jackson, Skylar's confidential clerk, who is still busy at his desk. Ooh. Mr. Jackson? Yes, Susie? Aren't you going to look at my new dress? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Why, Susie, how, how lovely you... Why, oh, you look just like a princess. And not a machine? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Jackson. That was just what I needed. Susie, what are we going to do with all the people who want to call on Mr. Thompson and congratulate him on his murder? Some of them are very important, and then they're waiting already. The Count and Paulsberg and Monsieur Pichon and Monsieur... Well, Mr. Thompson told me very specially that he doesn't want people kept away from him, and that you were to make his appointment. Yes, yes, I know, but he's going out this evening, isn't he? I believe he has one engagement, but surely nothing as important as these gentlemen. Why don't you arrange it like this? The Count von Waldberg at 8.30, Monsieur yes. Pichon, Monsieur Clichy at 9 o'clock. At 9. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman of the press at 9.30, the committee from the Bourse at 10, and so on as requested until 11. But the Minister of Finance also wishes an hour. Oh, by all means. <laughs> from 11 until 12. Uh, of course. I'll make the arrangement. Be sure that you do. Oh, Mr. Jackson, I feel just like going out. Eh? Mm. <clears throat> I feel so much happier now that Mr. Thompson's evening is so beautifully planned. Yes, yeah, well, I, I expect I'd better go and see the hotel manager about showing these people up to the office. Yes, yes. That must be Mr. Frank to take me to dinner. Will you see Mr. Jackson? Oh, certainly. Oh, uh, Jackson, is Miss Wayne a... Susie, how charming you look. Thank you, Mr. Frank. Well, I, I hardly know you, but I'm forgetting my manners. I want you to meet Major Dunbar. He's an old family friend and an expert on parrots. Susie, I think we can count on a large evening. My dear, I'm honored to have the company of such an exquisite lady. Oh, you're both so kind. <laughs> and I'm so very excited. You know, I'm having my first Paris adventure, Major Dunbar. No. <laughs> in fact, my first adventure anywhere. <laughs> well. <laughs> you won't mind if I can't keep my excitement to myself? Well, of course not. Think, I have two escorts. Oh, uh, Susie. Oh, Mr. Frank. Flowers for me? Mm-hmm. From both of us. Isn't she a vision, Major Dunbar? Oh, no, you're more than kind. But do you really think that anyone would notice me? <laughs> Even a blind man. You're adorable, my dear. And now, may we whisk you away? I'm sorry, but I have a message I must give Mr. Thompson before I go out. Oh. Oh, just a little business. Will you wait for me in the lounge? Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so excited. You know... I think I'm a little in love with you both. <laughs> now, careful, Miss Wayne, or you'll have a duel on your hands. <laughs> Hurry along, Susie. Don't keep us waiting too long. As her escort departs, Susie glances quickly around the empty office, listens for a moment in the direction of Skylar Thompson's bedroom door, and then walks to a mirror hanging on the opposite wall. She climbs upon a chair, looks at her feet and ankles in the glass, 
Suddenly, she hears a sound from Thompson's bedroom and jumps quickly to the floor. What? Why, Susan? Oh, Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson, I want to apologize for not letting Miss Fry see you today. Who? Oh, oh, well, let's forget about that. But, Susie, is this the new evening gown? Yes. Do you like it? It's very effective. Very. How it changes you. And those pretty round little arms. Why haven't I ever noticed them? They've always been covered before. Do they feel as smooth as they look? Oh, I don't know. I wish you weren't going out. You yourself asked Mr. Frank to take me. So I did. What a fool I am sometimes. Susie, come over here by the window. I want to show you Paris. It's beautiful in the moonlight. It sings, isn't it? What does a city sing about? On a night like this, it must be a love song. I suppose so. Oh, pardon me for brushing against you. It was an accident. Don't apologize. It was delightful. Oh. Susie, dear. Oh, no, you mustn't. I... Oh, oh, I feel so dizzy. You darling... Did you really mean that? I'll show you whether I mean it. Oh, no, Mr. Please, Thompson. Please. Oh, no, please. You, you mustn't be frightened. Let me go. I didn't mean it. I didn't. There, there. There's nothing to be afraid of. Please, dear. Oh, no, no. You don't understand. I'm so ashamed. Dear little girl, why should you be ashamed? You haven't done anything. Oh, yes, I have. It was all my fault. I'm to blame for it all. You're to blame for my trying to kiss you? Yes. She said I was just a machine and no man would ever notice me. So I tried it. Just as she says she does. I I leaned against you accidentally. I protested. I got busy. I closed my eyes. I almost got kissed. What? Why, well, you little devil. Who told you all this? Dolly Fry. <laughs> Experimenting with Dolly's rules. <laughs> you little imp. Oh, I hate myself. It's so cheap, so common. I should think you despise me. I adore you. Oh, no. You never thought of me as a woman until I made you do it. But women always open men's eyes. Well, I don't. I'm not satisfied to sneak into a man's arms and be kissed. Just because I happen to be there, that's too easy for him. I want a man to climb mountains just to get to me. I want him to pass by all the other women and kick down a door to kiss me. When I love a man, he must ache and long for me. Only me. He must be hungry and thirsty forever, unless I come along. I, Susie Wayne, no other woman on earth will do. That's the sort of love I want. I'll show you what. Now, who the devil is that? Oh, Frank. What's he doing, Susie? Oh, hello, Skyler. Hello, Skyler. Can you join us? Uh, Yes, yes, Major. I think I will. Oh, no, you can't. Uh, You have an important engagement with a lady at 9 o'clock. Oh, that will. I'll break it. Of course. Uh, But you have a lot of other engagements, too. Look, here's your calendar. At 8.30, the Count von Waldberg. At 9, Monsieur Pinchel, Monsieur Clichy. My, you'll be awfully busy at 9. At 9.30, the gentleman of the press, and at 10... Now, what the devil is this? Who made all these appointments for me? Why, you told me you didn't want people kept away from you. Why, you know... Well, let's get started, Susie. (laughs) Have a good time, Skylar. Yes, have a pleasant evening, Mr. Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Cheerio, Skylar. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, I'll be damned. (laughs) 
It's three o'clock in the morning, and Skylar Thompson has had an extremely disagreeable evening. Since the last of his official interviews ended at midnight, he has done nothing but fidget, glancing frequently out of the window at one end of the room which overlooks the street. He has not... It has not been the night of celebration which he planned. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello, Dolly. I know a lot of things came up, and I just didn't get a chance to call you. No, no, it's too late now. It's the third. No. I've got a big job still ahead of me before the night's over. Goodbye. Oh, oh, come in. Come in. Oh, Major. Hello. What in the world have you been doing all this time? Where the devil is Susie? With Frank. I had to stop. I couldn't keep up with them. I'm getting old, I'm afraid. Well, where is she now? Where did you take her? Oh, everywhere. Cafe after cafe. She danced. She sang. She was wild with excitement. And then we drove in the bois in one of those open cabs. She jumped out and dared Frank and me to race with her. Like an elf, she started to run and Frank after her. Of course, I was left behind. Well, when was this? Oh, hours ago. Hmm. Susie, alone with Frank in the bois. You should be ashamed of yourself. Why in the name of... Oh, come in. Oh, Frank. Well, where's Susie? Isn't she with you? She ran away from me. I've been looking for her ever since. I thought she'd be here. A fine pair of cavaliers. Leave a girl like that alone in Paris. I don't think she has a penny either. Well, she didn't need... Now, both of you go and find her and uh, bring her back at once. Each of you take a taxi. Drive through the bois from different entrances. Now, will you go? Will you get out? Oh, all right, Skylar. Don't worry. Worry? 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 No, no, no. Keep calm. Over. I am calm! I am! Now, get out of here. Hurry up. All on, right, all right. Good Lord, you idiots. Oh, I wonder where Susie can be. Mr. Thompson? Susie! Where on earth have you been? Haven't I been terribly worried, Susie? I've been in my room since a little after midnight. Oh. I tried to write to my mother, but I couldn't. You know, I think Paris has gone a little to my head. To mine, too. Susie, how do you feel now? Excited. Wonderful. I feel so free. It was marvelous in the bois. The moon was shining, and all around were the woods, dark and mysterious. But the lovers there, with their whisperings and their kisses, I couldn't bear them. I had to come back. So tonight you thought of love, perhaps for the first time. Is that it, little mouse? Until now, I've known only the hunger for food. The delicatessen windows held all I wanted. But now I'm well fed. And I'm still unsatisfied. For I know that I really have nothing. What do you want, Susan? Oh, something beautiful. Something I can see through the window of life. At first, I thought I only wanted to look on, but that isn't enough. I want to be in it. I want to be of it. You're finally awake, Susie. You see ahead of you a new world, a world full of unexpected joys. It needs only one word, one step, one kiss. One word, one kiss. Susie, do you know that you have lovely feet and ankles? Oh. And wonderful eyes, so deep that a man could drown in them? And what a mouth. <clears throat> Will you take a telegram, Miss Wayne? Why, certainly. Ready? Well, uh, a dear child. Dear child. You'll never know what a struggle it's been for me to act as I have. Uh, comma. But I wanted to be quite sure before I told you what was in my heart. Stop. In my heart? Stop. 
Forgive me for not telling you openly and honorably, uh, comma. Bastard. For not saying at once, I love you. Stop. And now the address. Please. The address very slowly. Spell it out. Miss C H U R C H M O U S E. Oh. Oh, my sweet. Oh. What comes now, darling? Stop. Stop. Oh, stop. This program is sponsored by the makers of Royal Desserts, who a little over a year ago asked American housewives to make a simple test, merely to smell their gelatin desserts as they added the hot water, and then to make the same test with Royal Gelatin. Many women who tried this test were amazed at the difference. At once, there was a big demand for Royal Gelatin. Women told each other about its delightful fragrance, its aroma of fresh fruit. And Royal Gelatin became so tremendously popular that within the past year, the sale of Royal Gelatin has more than doubled. If you have not already made this test, try it the next time you make a gelatin dessert. Add the hot water, then smell the rising vapor. With Royal Gelatin, you never get a trace of unpleasantness. Just the delicious fragrance of real, fresh fruit. Strawberry, cherry or pineapple, lemon, lime or orange. Try several different flavors of royal gelatin. Get some tomorrow. Next week, Mary Pickford will be back again on this program in another great play. She wants to tell you about it herself. Miss Pickford. are planning to present Coquette, which you may remember was my first talking picture. We've already started rehearsals, and I'm happy to say Johnny Matt Brown is playing the hero, as he did with me on the screen. I hope you'll all be listening in for next Wednesday evening, and until then, good night, and God go with you. And that just about does it for another episode of Canadians and Old Time Radio. I hope you'll join me again soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. If you've enjoyed the shows you've heard during the past hour, be sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, when once again, we'll listen to programs that are remembered today thanks to the involvement of Canadians in old-time radio. This is Devin Wilkins speaking.